Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is bizarre, mysterious, and unexplained. I'm Sean, and I will be your host for this episode. Today I will be continuing our series on cryptozoology by talking about one of my favorite mysterious creatures, the man-eating creature of the north, the Wendigo. For those who don't know, cryptozoology is the field of study about any creature or animal that is considered to be either a myth or whose existence has not yet been proven. As for the subject of this episode, the Wendigo is a really creepy and interesting creature, and in my opinion, the thought of his existence is definitely more disturbing than the Chupacabra, which we covered in our earlier episode. Today I will be giving the background and surroundings that started the tale of the Wendigo, and also the cultural impacts this legend has had. So let's begin. The story of the Wendigo has been around for centuries, and it is a legend of the Algonquian group of Native Americans throughout the East Coast and Northern regions of the United States and Canada. Depending on what tale is being told, the Wendigo can either be a man-hungry beast or a demonic spirit. The Wendigo is usually portrayed as a half-beast-like creature, possessing some traits of a man, but also other parts of animals or spirits, again depending on what variation of the legend you look up. One common trait, though, that is shared in every story of the Wendigo is that of cannibalism, that these creatures that were once human either hunt and eat other men, or that the spirit of the Wendigo possesses those who are guilty of cannibalism and turns them into monsters. Many today believe that the Wendigo monster never actually existed, but that the legend was instead made up to reinforce the taboo among the tribes against cannibalism. Wendigos are usually portrayed in one of two ways. They are either a horrible creature that feasts upon humans as its only food source, or that they are humans who have committed grave sins such as gluttony or cannibalism, and that they are turned into these monsters as a form of punishment for the crimes against their fellow man. Supposedly, it is very rare that someone who is possessed by the Wendigo spirit can be freed and cured. As in nearly every case and story about this creature, those who are possessed can only be stopped by death. As for the appearance, the physical description of the Wendigos changed pretty drastically from story to story, with again the only common theme is that it is some kind of awful monster-like being. Some tales describe it as a large, hulking beast with heavy fur, and this kind of reminds me along something along the lines of Bigfoot. Conflicting accounts, however, make it out to be impossibly thin, lanky, and hairless, making it look similar to a living skeleton. Uh, I've also read of some instances where the Wendigo is some kind of hybrid creature, with the general body of a human, but with animal parts as well, such as the claws and fangs of a wolf, or the antlers of a deer or buffalo. So there are other stories about the Wendigo being huge, towering near the treetops. Now with all these different types of physical appearances, you would think that all these different legends were talking about separate monsters. It is only in its other characteristics that one can see the similarities of the creatures in all these different tales. Basil Johnson, one of Canada's most well-known native authors and scholars writes about the Algonquian legend in one of his books saying, The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled hotly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. Now of all the different types of descriptions, this one seems the most likely to me if you actually believe that a Wendigo actually existed, 
as this description basically sounds more like that of a sick, starving, perhaps mentally disturbed human, rather than some kind of otherworldly beast or spirit. So Wendigos are almost always associated with winter, ice, and the cold. As I've mentioned before, the common trait found in almost every story of the Wendigo is that it feasts upon humans. The Wendigo supposedly has an insatiable, unending appetite for human flesh. Stories describe how a Wendigo will not stop at just killing and eating one human, but will instead hunt down every person it can find as yet another meal. One of the more interesting aspects I've found about the Wendigo is that it is actually believed to grow in proportion to whatever just ate. Thus, it can never actually satisfy its appetite, but instead remains on the edge of starvation during its entire existence. Expanding upon this idea, basically whenever a Wendigo eats a person, it merely grows in size instead of quenching its appetite, instead its appetite only increases more. This also builds into the legend that Wendigos can grow to be impossibly large, and that some of these creatures that have eaten entire families or even villages can grow up to be several stories high yet always remaining extremely thin and gaunt. This unending quench to satisfy its hunger is one of the scariest, but also saddest parts of the Winnego legend. It's almost as if this creature or possessed human or whatever it is, is basically eternally damned, cursed with being consumed with satisfying its urges and hunger, but never actually being able to do it. I have read several tales and legends of the Wendigo that were passed down through the native generations, and it seems a common trait that in order to completely kill the Wendigo and ensure that it doesn't return to life, you have to chop up the bodies into several pieces. I've also read a few stories where the body of the Wendigo is made up of ice, and they have to break it apart, and then when they cut into the chest of the monster, they find the body of a person inside, obviously deceased. So this goes along with the theme that the Wendigo basically just takes over and completely consumes a man, turning him into a monster. In my mind, I would think that since it is such a winter-associated creature, that would be some element of having to burn the body to destroy it, but as of yet, I haven't come across any tales where this is described. So in other tales, they believe that the Wendigo is actually an evil spirit and not just a physical creature. Under this theory, the spirit of the Wendigo roams the cold forest seeking a vessel. Those who have committed the horrible sin of cannibalism have the greatest risk of being invaded and possessed by the spirit, in turns morphing them into this Wendigo beast. To me, this spirit story sounds much more like a cautionary tale to scare kids and young adults, and also to reinforce the taboo of cannibalism, as anyone who grew up with this legend would never want to risk the possibility of being turned into a Wendigo. Many natives in this culture that were faced with starvation would either hold out and die, or take life into their own hands and commit suicide rather than give in and eat the flesh of a fellow human. In a weird way, this legend and story and consequences kind of reminds me of times where I've heard of cautionary tales that some parents tell their kids these days, like if you kiss you can get pregnant, or if you act bad, Santa won't give you any presents. Now obviously these aren't true, but they often work into reinforcing the parents' values onto their children and pretty much scaring them into following their rules. And again, there's a pretty big difference in your parents telling you to behave or you won't get presents and them saying, hey, please don't eat people or you might become a possessed beast monster. Be that as it may. So one of the more interesting aspects about the Wendigo that I've found out is that there is actually a psychological disorder named after it, namely Wendigo psychosis. Now, Wendigo psychosis is defined as a culture-bound disorder formerly of the Algonquian tribes in North America, 
which involves an intense craving for human flesh even when other food sources are readily available, and also the constant fear that one will turn into a cannibal. Now, a culture bound disorder is any health condition that is specific to only one particular culture. So, for example, in this case, Wendigo psychosis is found in no other people other than in the tribes of the Algonquian. I hadn't heard of this so-called culture-bound disorders before, but it does make sense uh, for one of these tribes most likely share many of the same genetic traits which can involve some kind of mental disorder, and along with them sharing the same legends, all of them constantly reminded that this Wendigo story and believing that if you are tempted to fall into gluttony or selfishness or cannibalism, that you risk being possessed by this evil spirit. So there are several known instances of this psychosis in effect. In 1661, Jesuit missionaries came across such an event and wrote it down, saying, Those poor men were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease, which affects their imaginations and cause them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they will pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously, without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is a sole remedy among these simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness." So this demonstrates that there are several records of outsiders um, who are either going to communicate or come in contact with the Algonquian tribes who become aware of this disorder. And perhaps the most famous case of this psychosis involves a native man named Swift Runner, who in the winter of 1878 slaughtered and ate his entire family, including his wife and children, when confronted with severe hunger. Now, given that the family was only 25 miles away from a relief center that had supplies, and the fact that he killed and ate every single member of his family at once, shows that it wasn't just hunger, desperation, or the normal cannibalism that caused him to carry out this horrible crime, but was in fact Wendigo psychosis. So part of me wonders if the legend of the Wendigo gave birth to this mental disorder, or if it was the other way around. So to me, it's almost a chicken and the egg type situation. Did these tribes have so many people who would start killing and eating other humans that it forced the elders to create the myth of the Wendigo to try to scare and prevent future generations from eating people? Or did this story of the Wendigo come first, planting the idea of cannibalism in the heads of the young and having it consume them later? But once again, it reminds me of these situations where parents are super strict on their kids and telling them if they do drugs or drink or commit a crime or whatever, that they would either go to hell or become a horrible person. And you hear it all too often, these kids that grew up in this type of household with these incredibly strict rules that once they get a taste of freedom or start actually doing these so-called sins, they just go overboard and completely lose themselves in that kind of life. So regardless of how it came about, this mental disorder is definitely one of the creepiest and disturbing things that I've come across when researching these native people. So basically to wrap it all up, the common consensus among most people who have researched this creature is that the Wendigo is and has always been a myth. The fact that there are so many different physical descriptions in almost every story kind of shows to me that most likely one tribesman heard this tale and then changed it up a little to tell his own, and then this legend just kept evolving and changing as it went around from generation to generation. 
If any of this is true, I believe that what these people saw as monsters or evil spirits or what have you were in reality just mentally sick men who lost themselves in this bizarre psychosis and gave in to murder and cannibalism. And for these primitive people at the time, they couldn't understand why these people would suddenly just lose their minds and turn violent. And thus, to, they came up with this mythical legend to make any sense of it all, kind of like a coping mechanism. Of course, since there isn't much detailed record keeping, we probably never know the exact origin of when the Wendigo story started. But then again, that's what makes part of this such an interesting mystery. So that wrapped up this episode about the Wendigo. Definitely a very interesting cryptid monster, and one of which has been haunting people's nightmares for many, many years. Um, before I get into the outro, I just wanted to take a minute and thank everyone so far who has supported and listened to the podcast. This project has really blown up far beyond where we thought it would be at this point. Me and the fellow host are getting tons of good feedback and suggestions, so please keep it up. Uh, let us know what you want to hear, and we'll make it happen. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and if any of you listeners have a personal favorite mythical animal or cryptid, please share it with us. You can leave comments on our website at strangematterspodcast.com, or send us suggestions by email at strangematterspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page that you can connect with us on there, and we have a new Twitter account at strangematters underscore. We're up on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you are listening to us on those apps, please take the time to leave us a review and a rating, as it helps to promote the podcast and help us find new listeners. Once again, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time on Strange Matters Podcast. Take it easy, everyone. <laughs>